Series 1, Complications Happen, continues with Episode 4, Vascular Access Device Occlusions. Our guest for this episode is Maria Santini, BSN, RN, VABC. Maria began her nursing career 25 years ago in pediatric oncology. She has worked in home care and outpatient infusion. Currently, she is a clinical consultant for pharmaceutical and medical access device companies. Maria, welcome to Talking in Vain, and thank you for joining us. Again, Maria, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Talking in Vain. Well, thank you so much for asking me. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So we're discussing vascular access device occlusions, and um, this is going to include everything from our peripheral IVs to our central devices. Can you explain to me what an occlusion is? Okay. Occlusions are usually defined as whether being non-thrombolytic or thrombolytic in nature. Um, so it's basically the difference between um, non-thrombolytic would be something of a mechanical nature, um, such as a cap may be obstructed by some blood or precipitants. Um, therefore, that's why it's so important to check for blood return on the lumens. And if you find that maybe by just checking the cap on the end of a line, may help, as I've seen myself as well, as well as other nurses attempt to do, it can help. Um, it can also be resolved by maybe unclamping a line. Maybe you need to realign a tubing. It could be kinked. Um, also looking at the dressing. Um, sometimes those dressings without realizing it, during the dressing change you don't realize you kinked the line. Um, lines that are sutured, there could be a constriction um, along that line or at the site. Um, also with implanted uh, ports, Try to reaccess the port. Um, and also when you're doing dressing changes, um, was there a dislodgement in the catheter? Um, I often talk about a lot about catheter ruptures. Unfortunately, I've met many nurses through the years who didn't realize that forcing a flush or using less than a 10cc syringe could really potentially damage that lumen, or mm -hmm. unfortunately there have been cases I've known of nurses who have sent to off a PE, a pulmonary embolism mm -hmm. to the patient. Yeah. Um, malposition and migrations are a huge one, Michelle. Many um, nurses I have found really don't realize if a patient ha is forcefully coughing, um, vomiting or sneezing or heavy lifting, it could really affect the position of the tip. Okay. As I say to uh, nurses all the time, never forget, that line is lying down there in the lower one-third of the superior vena cava, and we do not suture, staple, or glue that tip in place. Right. It's free-floating down there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she doesn't always stay there. Um, also, pinch-off syndrome. Um, as you know, that's when the catheter kind of passes between the clavicle and the first rib. Mm -hmm. That can be a problem. Um, and then also it could be thrombolytic in nature, okay. which simply means the occurrence of a blood clot. Okay, so um, with an obstruction then, you know, it, it actually causes us, like, we cannot either get get a medication into the line or we can't get blood back. Is that correct? Correct. Um, I always instruct uh, everyone that you need to make sure prior to an infusion, it's absolutely imperative that you always check for blood return because we cannot look through the chest wall to see where that tip is at. Okay. Um, because that tip might have migrated out of the SVC, or there could potentially be a fibrin clotting issue on there okay. um, because there are several different kind of throbbing clots that um, occur. Uh, one of the infamous ones that everyone's aware of is those fibrin tails. Um, right. And actually, 
one out of four lines are going to become occluded. Even some of those, the, uh, the lines that are most well-managed mm-hmm. will become occluded. So it's not an unusual occurrence, one out of four. Okay. So I And so that, that, excuse me, like a fibrin tail then is going to be what we would refer to as a partial occlusion, correct? Where you can correct. actually, like you can infuse very easily, but you can't get any blood back. Correct. There's okay. um, two different kinds of occlusions. There's your partial and your total. Okay. A partial is defined as a line that you can flush, but sluggish okay. is just as bad as no blood return. Sluggish is the beginning of something. Okay. And then you have your total when you're unable to flush or obtain any blood return at all. Okay. And what when when you can't get a blood return, what is really like the first thing a nurse should look at? Say, say I've the got first- a, a, a central device and I can't get any... I can't infuse, I can't get blood back, there's nothing. Um, The first thing I always ask nurses to do is they should always assess all the lumens. The majority of all the facilities always ask that all lumens on all lines be assessed for blood return. You can always attempt by establishing patency by having uh, patients do different kind of maneuvers, such as coughing, turning side to side, um, raising their hands, um, their arms above their heads, take deep breaths. Okay. Um, and things like that. And also, again, think to yourself, um, you know, has that patient exhibited any of those activities that would, uh, would, that would, that way malposition tip would occur, such as heavy lifting, um, chronic coughing, chronic vomiting, because I have personally had that happen to me several times, at which time I've always notified the physician, gotten an x-ray. I was just at a facility last week or a nurse told me she had a situation like that occur, and when they did the x-ray, they found the tip of the line had migrated up into the patient's uh, IJ area. Yeah, yeah, that does happen indeed. So we have, um, we, we've checked, we've had the patient move, we've had him cough. Where do I look next? I, I guess I'm getting at where is the first place a nurse should assess the entire system? I would certainly look, as I had mentioned before, at the lines, make sure no lines are kinked. Okay. Uh, make sure there's no occlusion at the site. Um, make sure that the, uh, that the, the um, I've had times where the pumps are, mal- are just malfunctioning. Right. So look at the pumps. Um, another thing to look at is um, the kind of drugs that you're running. Um, okay. Many times, you know, uh, clinicians really are not familiar that sometimes two drugs are not um, compatible with each other. There could be a participant precipitant that had occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that happen a, a few times, especially with the lipids, with those yeah. lipid infusions. It can really certainly build up in the internal catheter lumen. I've had that happen quite mm-hmm. a few times as well. Yes, and I, I see I've listed a couple of medications. It's amazing that heparin's incompatible with quite a few things like vancomycin and dilbutamine and, um, my gosh, even saline's incompatible with things. So, so very true. Yeah, a lot of nurses really don't know the difference of what is compatible versus what's not compatible. So um, I always suggest to my facilities to put a list. Uh, to, I always talk with pharmacy to maybe put a list somewhere in the med room so that nurses are aware of what's compatible and not compatible and just be aware that if there's absolutely no choice in the matter, that if something does arise, that that's something to think about as a possibility. Yeah, so pharmacy is a really great resource there to to be looking for Yeah, yeah. So we have an inability to aspirate any blood. It's resistant to flushing. Um, sluggish infusions. The pump keeps going off, frequent alarms. There may also be leaking 
at the infusion site. Now, is that yeah. is that a normal sign of occlusion? No. Um, <laughs> you, what I well, what I have found, I was just thinking that Michelle, because I said I have myself my career had a situation like that where, um, you know, there um, with another nurse I was working with, she was having some difficulties with the line. And the nurse prior to her had done a forceful flush with 3cc syringe, and we came to find afterwards that she had created basically a hole in the line. Oh, the goodness. leaking in the site was from that forceful flush. That's why I tell nurses not to do that. Another thing, too, is... Nurses are under the impression that as long as the line flushes, you can go ahead and use it for an infusion. But if you have a fiber and tail at the end and you're running at a high rate of an infusion, sometimes only so much of that infusion can bypass that clot. And it's like a stopped-up sink. I kind of use that analogy. You know, if you notice your sink, you know, it's not going down the drain as, as fast, mm-hmm. the water. You obviously know that uh, that clotted sink, the clot is getting bigger and bigger. So if you put it on full blast, are you really going to be surprised when there's an overflow in the right. sink? Certainly right. not. So the same thing for a line. If you're running a you know, fast rate of an infusion, if all of a sudden you notice that there's some, that's why I always tell nurses, always assess the insertion site. Yeah. Is there any tenderness, edema, fluid leakage, or the patient's complaining of any pain or discomfort? Think to yourself, the first thing I say is, did you check for brisk blood return on that line? Correct. So um, looking for leaking at the site, looking at the condition of the site is another important thing to assessing the patency of your device. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, um, and the differences between short peripheral catheters, midlines, and central devices. If we have, I mean, of course, if you can't get blood back from a peripheral or a midline, you're going to check to see why, and you're going to be looking for the closed clamp, the kinked tubing, the arm being bent. If you are thinking that it is a clot, how do you treat that with a a peripheral, a short peripheral, or a midline? I would just um, replace that line. As far as I remember, um, our Cathlow products, the Altaplace, it's not indicated for use in peripheral devices. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Um, cast flow is only indicated with central venous access devices, so your central lines only, and that does not include your peripheral or your midline. Okay. What can we as infusion nurses do to decrease the chance that we're going to see any of these occlusions occurring? Like risk factors that we could look for? Well, I think number one, I think one of the biggest things I um, have seen is There is adequate flushing after infusion and always checking for those blood returns prior to an infusion really are huge factors in maintaining these um, the viability of these lines and keeping them running um, well. Um, I also have found um, sometimes a lot of uh, clinicians really are not familiar with the difference in the caps that they're using. Mm-hmm. You know, there's three kind of caps on the market. You have your positive, your neutral, and your negative. And as I do my in-service saying, you know, I always ask them, what kind of caps do you all have? And I'd say, unfortunately, the majority of the time they're really not aware of it. They could tell mm-hmm. me maybe the name of it, but they don't know what kind of a displacement cap that is. And not realizing that there's really an appropriate kind of sequence of clamping that occurs according to what cap you have okay. to prevent 
um, that kind of um, blood reflux back into that lumen that could, uh, you know, exacerbate a blood clot mm-hmm. from occurring and certainly, um, you know, and thereby causing uh, other problems to follow. Okay, that's a good, interesting point to bring up. So there can be some pretty significant complications related to occlusions. Um, yes. It not only leads to a delay or an interruption, but it can cost us a lack of access with the patient, the cost of going through putting in another line. There's some very significant issues. Correct. Um, And what happens is uh, many times, you know, uh, clinicians and others out there think, and they've even had patients say, you can just put another one in not realizing that every time we place a vascular access device, we're really decreasing their vascular access. Mm -hmm. So you always try to salvage these lines. And one of the things I really try to stress to the staff is these lines need to be maintained correctly. They need to be noticed and they need to be loved and they need to be well taken care of because if they are, they will always do for you what they need to do. And number one priority, of course, is to be proactive and the well-being of your patient. You know, you always want to make sure that these lines are being taken care of um, because of um, of the repercussions that can occur, the cost, um, delayed therapy. Um, that's mm-hmm. another one. Um, yeah. A lot of delayed therapies that are really not necessary um, can really influence um, the well-being of uh, the patient. And, of course, let's talk about the cost of care. Mm-hmm. There's a huge cost of care as well, longer hospital stays. Um, so all of those yeah. um, influence yeah. uh, the care we give to our patients, yes. And we also do, if we leave an occluded, I guess that was the other thing when we talk about a multi-lumen device, that yes. each each lumen should be treated as a separate device, and you wouldn't leave an occluded thrombolytic device Uh, a lumen in place because of the chance of a a bloodstream infection. Yeah, that's so very true. I actually have a um, kind of a model device of a line with a big old clot. I I named him Mr. Clotty. (laughs) And he gives, uh, he's my buddy in that he really, really puts forth, um, you know, how a clot looks visually Mm -hmm. on the end of a line. And, you know, if you choose to ignore it, it's quite happy that you ignore it out there because it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, they never, ever stop growing, as I tell nurses. Mm-hmm. And then that one line you were able to utilize that one day, perhaps by the next day or the day after, that line's not going to be working as well. So the objective yeah. of that clot is just to keep growing and growing and growing and including all lumens. And then, of course, we know um, the outcomes for our patients, not being yeah. able to use those lines. Um, infections because um, they're, they they love to attract you know bacteria mm-hmm. those clots yes. thereby causing central line infections. You know it's interesting uh, through the years what I have found I've asked nurses um, you know what do you think causes um, a central line infection? You know just a simple question and it's always the same answer. They'll always say you know not scrubbing the hut, mm-hmm. um, not um, you know not uh, doing dressing changes, make sure they're clean, dry, and intact, and all that. And as of yet, Michelle, I very rarely, if ever, get anybody saying making sure that you get first blood return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not part of their assessment. They just don't. Many of them just don't see the importance of that. They'll always talk about flushing, 
but never about blood return. And as I've said to many nurses, um, I said, I, I look forward to the day when I leave my profession that nurses start to report off differently to each other about the lines of their patients, for example, instead of saying, uh, you know, patient in room two has a pick line and it's flushing or it's mm-hmm. patent, mm-hmm. why not make it more detailed? The patient in room two has an upper right arm dual lumen pick line. Each lumen was noted to have positive brisk blood return. Yeah. Once you make that statement to me, I know that line is flushing, I know the tip is in the SVC, and I know there's no partial or totally occluded lumen. Yep, very, very true. says everything. It does. Yeah. It does. Well, thank you so much because, like you said, that that pretty much does everything. I do appreciate your time and certainly your enthusiasm for um, making sure that we're all performing the the tasks that we need to to keep our devices from being occluded. Maria, thank you so much for speaking with us. I thank you so much for having me and for the invitation. Have a blessed day. You too.